Okay, folks, so last week we looked at some introductory material concerning the book of Ruth. This week we're going to look at chapters 1 and 2. Now, we're going to finish up the book of Ruth next week when we look at chapters 3 and 4. Now, as I've mentioned before, this is a historical narrative. So it has a purpose for being in the scripture. And what one of the purposes that you're going to see from this is that it kind of shows you the line of the Messiah through David. And it actually shows you that the hero of this passage is the Lord, God. Because here you have someone who is in the lineage from Judah that's going to go all the way up to Jesus, and he dies. And there needs to be an heir raised up for him. And we're going to see that in the book of Ruth. Now, that's what the purpose is. The purpose isn't to show you how to date. Dating didn't exist in their culture. And if we had to do what they did for courtship in their culture, people wouldn't be happy in our culture. So this is not the principal book to go look to for dating. But this is a principal book to look to concerning the sovereignty of God and his wanting to accomplish his will. Plus, we also see the character of the people that we are reflecting on in this book. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at chapters 1 and 2. We're going to take each chapter as we go. I'm not going to read through these for the sake of our time, but we're going to kind of go through it together. It'll be up on the screen, the points that I'm going to make, and hopefully you'll get a better understanding of the book of Ruth, at least the first two chapters today. And again, we're going to look at the second, the last two chapters next week. Okay, so let's begin. So when we come to chapter 1, we're going to see that the first five verses are used to give us the setting. The writer, whoever it might be, wants to bring us up to speed with who or what the situation is in this book. And so we're going to see the setting here in verses 1 to 5. So the events of this book take place during the period of the judges in Israel. That's the first thing you're going to notice when you come to verse 1. It's going to tell you that the things that are taking place here in this book happen during the period of the judges. Remember, we just studied the book of Judges, and one of the key significant phrases that are reflective of that time is that there was no king in the land, and that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so it was very much a time of turmoil, spiritually, and there was not really one central figure to give direction to the nation. So this is when this story is taking place. So Ruth, the story of Ruth, takes place in the period of the judges. Now, we're introduced to two people, Ahimelech and uh, Naomi, and they fled to Moab with their two sons because of a famine in the land. So obviously, during this period, there was probably a very severe famine that was taking place. And these two folks, Ahimelech and, and Naomi, who were from Bethlehem, decided that they needed to go somewhere else because they weren't going to be able to survive in Israel. So they fled to Moab. Moab. 
during the famine. Now, Ahimelech died in Moab. He died while he was there, and the two sons took wives from the women of Moab. So obviously they were there for a significant portion of time, and during that time, Ahimelech dies, and then the two sons are of marrying age, and they decide, you know, there's no, they're not in Bethlehem, there's no Israelis here, so they, what, take women from Moab as their wives, okay? They take women from Moab as their wives. Now, the scripture tells us, I told you a significant amount of time, they dwelt in Moab about 10 years, and then the sons died. Now, this is really tragic, isn't it? First, we see Naomi's husband, Ahimelech, dies. Now we see that her two sons die as well, leaving Naomi alone. So think about that for a moment. She's alone in Moab. This is not where she's from. Her people are Jews. Her people are Israelites, and they're in the promised land. They're in Canaan. She's from Bethlehem, and now her husband is dead. Her two sons are dead. She's left alone, and that is the setting that we're going to see now in verses 1 to 5. So that brings us to the next section of chapter 1, which is a significant section, and it has to do with Naomi's interaction with her daughters-in-law. Remember, the two sons took to themselves wives from the women of Moab. Now, so did you understand what their culture was like? Remember I told you when we go through this, we're going to understand a little bit of their culture. Normally, what happens is in our culture, when we give our daughters in marriage, the daughters tend to gravitate towards their mothers. That's typically true in our culture. That's not true in their culture. When a woman was married, she then joined the family of the man she married. So these two Moabite women would then go and join and be a part of their husband's family, which would be Naomi and Ahimelech. But Ahimelech's dead, it'd be Naomi, now the sons are dead. So these two widows are with the other widow, Naomi. And that's just the way the situation is. So now we're going to come to where they have to make a choice. Okay, they have to make a choice. They have to make a decision. And so the text is going to give us some insight here. So the first thing is, Naomi decides to leave Moab after hearing that the Lord blessed Israel again. So the text tells us she gets a report that she hears that the Lord has blessed, blessed Israel with bread. Basically signifying that the rain has come the ground is producing grain, and now Israel has bread. And so she decides, I'm here by myself. I don't need to be here. I should be back with my own people. And she decides to leave Moab and go back to Bethlehem. Now, she began the journey to Judah with her daughter-in-laws, Orpha and Ruth. Orpha and Ruth. So she has two daughter-in-laws. One's name is Orpha. That's an interesting name. And Ruth. And Ruth. So Naomi told them to return to their families and bless them for their care of her. So 
Naomi doesn't want to take these Moabite women with her. She wants them to be free. They, unlike her, can go on and start a new life. And so she blesses them and tells them to return to their families. And their response is, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to go with you. We're going to go with you, is what the two, the two women say. Now, they both stated that they would stay with her. They would stay with her. Now, Naomi stressed that they should go since they were still young enough to bear children. Basically, she's saying, look, you guys go. Go back to your, go back to your families. Your families will make arrangements for you to marry another because you're still young enough to bear children. So therefore, you can still find another husband. You can still find another husband. I release you. Go back to your families. And so that's what Naomi is stressing, that they can go back and start over, start a new life. It's been wonderful that you're here, but go on. Go on and start over. Start over. Now, here's what you're going to see is very interesting in the text. The first woman, Orpha, decided to leave. She decides to leave. But Ruth clung to Naomi. So of the two women, one decides, okay, I'm going to take you up on your offer. I'm going to go back to my, I'm going to start all over. I'm going to go back to my family. And the other, Ruth, decides, no, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to stay with you, Naomi. She clings to her. And again, Naomi tells her, you can leave, you can leave. But no, Ruth says, no, I want to stay. And then the text tells us the issue is not brought up anymore. The decision's been made, okay? The decision's been made. So here's what Ruth chose. Now, this is what is amazing about this woman. Remember, she's from Moab. And so therefore, her people are from Moab. Her family is from Moab. Her gods, and I said gods in the plural because the Moabites worshipped many gods and so the Moabite gods she decides to leave them so she chose life with Naomi over her family her people Moab and her gods so basically she's saying to Ruth Ruth I give up my whole heritage my lineage everything even my gods and I will follow you and worship your God this is what's significant about this woman. She decides, she makes a conscious decision to go with Naomi and follow Yahweh, the God of Israel. The God of Israel. And so we see that here, that she makes the choice. Now, when we come to verses 19 through 22, we're going to notice that it now shifts. It doesn't tell you anything about their journey. Remember I told you that historical narrative is only going to tell you what you need to know. It's not going to fill in all the details. It's not going to give you what the road trip was like for two women going from Moab over to Bethlehem in Judea, in Judah, excuse me. And what we're going to see now is, is that they arrive in Bethlehem. So verses uh, 19 through 22 are going to reflect those few verses about the arrival, the arrival. So here's what happens. When Naomi returned to Bethlehem, 
The people were excited for her return. Now, to be honest with you, Bethlehem is, we would consider it a village. Probably it was a village, a small town. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody's business is everybody's business. And when somebody comes to town, everybody knows about that. And so here is Naomi, who's been gone for 10 years. She returns. That creates a buzz. That creates a new line of talking in the gossip chain. Oh, Naomi's back. She's back, and she brought a Moabitess with her. And, and so everybody's excited about the reality that Naomi is back after 10 years. After 10 years. Now, Naomi's response is actually, she's not excited to be back. I mean, yes, she's probably excited to be back, but notice that's not her reaction here. Her reaction was, don't call me Naomi. Naomi called them to call her Mara, or bitterness, because of her situation. Now remember, names back then reflected the situation of where people were at at the moment. So when you named your child, it often was a reflection of what was happening in your family or in your life at that moment. So she says, don't call me Naomi anymore. <laughs> call me Mara, bitterness, because of her situation, because of her situation. So then we're told what is significant about her return. Naomi's return to Bethlehem with Ruth happened at the beginning of the barley harvest. Naomi's return to Bethlehem with Ruth happened at the beginning of the barley harvest. And so this is significant because that's going to lead us into chapter 2 now. That's going to lead us into chapter 2 where we're introduced to another of the main characters. So, okay, let's sum up chapter 1 real quick. Naomi and her husband Ahimelech and her two sons leave Bethlehem because of a famine, go to Moab. While they're there, the men die. Also, while they're there, the two guys, before they die, take Moabite women. Most of chapter 1, then, is the decision to go back to Bethlehem because the Lord is blessing Israel again. And with that decision... One woman decides to stay, the other Ruth decides to go. They make it back, and you can see that Naomi is in bitterness of heart because of her situation. But she has Ruth with her to help her and to care for her. So let's get to chapter 2 now, okay? Chapter 2, we're going to look at uh, verses 1 to 23. Chapter 2 is 23 verses long. So now in... Chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, we are introduced to another character in our narrative and another person who is important to the story, and it's a near relative. It is a relative of Naomi's husband, okay? It's a relative of Naomi's husband. So the writer introduces the reader to a wealthy relative of Ahimelech whose name was Boaz. Wow, what a name. How would you like to name your son? Boaz. 
And obviously that was a cool name back then. It's also the name of, of one of the grandfathers of the king later on now. But the writer introduces the reader to a wealthy relative. So this is, a, this is somebody who has some money, who has, has land, property. Obviously he has land, he has an inheritance, but he's doing well as a farmer. It's an agrarian culture, remember that. Now Ruth requests to glean grain in Boaz's fields, and Naomi consents. Glean grain in Boaz's fields. Now let me explain that to you, okay? Because this is going to help you understand their culture versus our culture. All right, so in our culture, when we have folks who are down on their luck and poor, we have, our government has set up, programs to be able to assist those people during those times. So we have food stamps, we have other things that they can rely on to get them through difficult times. That was not true in Israel at this time. Consider it, this is probably 3,000 years ago. All right, so it's an agrarian culture. What the law did, what the Lord did in setting up the law was is he made a provision that when somebody harvested their field, they wouldn't strip the field clean. They would rather harvest the field, but leave what was left or what had fallen to the poor. It was kind of a program for the poor to be able to go and glean from the fields as well so that they would be taken care of, okay? They would be taken care of. So the Lord had set up a system of assistance and help to be helping them during this time, during this time. And I think that's pretty significant that you need to see that. In our system, we don't have that system. We have a government that set up a system. In their day, the Lord set up a system for them to operate that way, for them to operate that way. So here's what happens, okay? She goes out in verses 4 through 17, and she gleans. And so now we see the story of her gleaning in the fields and her interacting, that is Ruth, interacting with Boaz, okay? Interacting with Boaz. So Ruth gleaned after the reapers and came to the field of Boaz. So here's what happens. So the reapers, probably a group of workers who would go and harvest in the different fields, that were there around Bethlehem, and they would be paid wages by the owner of that, har that crop that they were harvesting. So what the, what the poor would do is, first the reapers would go, and they would reap of the grain, and then whatever was left for after the reaping, the poor would then come and glean the fields for their portion that was given to them by the law. Now, what we see happening here is, is the reapers would go out and they're being followed by Ruth, probably others, but it mentions Ruth here, who are gleaning in the fields, okay? Gleaning in the fields. Now, Boaz inquired concerning Ruth gleaning in his field. So here comes Boaz, he greets his reapers, and then he says, hey, who's that, who's that woman over there 
Probably he's never seen her before, although, because remember, it's a small town, he probably knows everybody. But now there's somebody he's never seen before. Who's that woman in the field over there? And that's kind of gleaning in my field. I've never seen that woman before. Who is she? Who is she? He inquires concerning her. And so the reapers, they identify her as the Moabitess and that she labored from morning with little rest. So they do two things here. They identify her as the woman, the Moabite woman who came with Naomi. So because first of all, it's a small town. So word has gotten out. Naomi's back. She brought a Moabitess with her. So they know that this is the woman who's with Naomi taking care of her. Second thing they say about her, this is reflective of her character, is that she has labored from morning. So probably that means she has been there laboring when they started laboring in the morning. They would have started laboring as soon as, what, the day broke. Because that would be the cool of the day. And so they reflect that this woman, she's the Moabitess, and she's been working here, and not just working here since morning, she's taking very few breaks. She's just been setting about doing her work with little rest. Okay, so he's reflecting, they're reflecting on who she is. So then you see in the passage that Boaz has an interaction with Ruth. And so Boaz told Ruth to glean in his fields with the young women and refresh herself with water. So Boaz is saying, okay, look, if you're going to glean, just glean in my fields and you follow my young women. Now, when he says my young women, that's not family, but they're probably workers for him. You follow my young women and then you refresh yourself with the water that I have for my reapers. If you get thirsty, you come over and you can drink their water. So he's, he's giving her a big blessing here. He's allowing her to, to work with his women in gleaning. And he's also saying, you can refresh yourself from the water here. Now, Ruth questioned his kindness. And Boaz commended her for her care of Naomi. So here's what happens. She's like, well, why are you doing this? That would be an initial human response about anyone showing kindness. Why are you doing this? And so Boaz basically says, I've heard what you've been doing and caring for Naomi. Naomi. And the Lord bless you because of that. Now, Boaz also said, you will eat from the food that I have for my reapers. So he provided food for her at mealtime and told the reapers to allow her to glean from the sheaves. So now remember, the poor were only allowed to go into the field after the reapers were done. And they were to, to reap from what was completely left over from everything. But Boaz is allowing her is telling the reapers to allow her to do more. She can glean from the sheaves, meaning, okay, what they would do is they would, they would harvest the grain and then they would put them in, in stacks. And what he's saying, let her go and glean from the sheaves. Let her go more than just picking up what was falling on the ground. Let her even glean from the sheaves. Boy, what a blessing. He's allowing her to do a lot. Okay, he's allowing her to do a lot. And and here's the other thing. The reapers, 
were to let the bundles fall for her. Okay, remember the law said that the, that the poor could take from what was left, what, was, what, what the reapers didn't take. He's even saying, okay, here's what I want you to do, guys. I want you to let some of the bundles fall for her. As you're, if, as you're gathering up the sheaves and the bundles, you let some of them fall for her. And do not rebuke her. Because probably what would happen if you're carrying the sheaves and one falls off and somebody comes, somebody who's poor comes and tries to take that, they would rebuke them or curse at them and tell them to get away. He's telling his reapers, don't rebuke her. Let her, let her take it. Let her take it. Wow, what a significant story here, isn't it? It's a wonderful story to read. Wonderful story. So here's the interesting thing. Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. And you're thinking, wow, great, she can go home and relax. No, she didn't. She gleaned in the field until evening, and then she beat out an ephod of barley. An ephod of barley. She, she, she then took what she gleaned, and she then beat it out into the grain of barley that would be then used for making bread later. Okay? That would be then used for making bread. Making bread. So she brought the grain to Naomi, who inquired as to where the gleaning took place. So she brought the bread to Naomi, who inquired, where did you get this from? Where did you get all this grain from? Because, look, when you're, when you're poor and you're gleaning in the field, you're not going to get an ephod of grain. Just being honest with you, that wasn't normal, and Naomi knows that. And so she's like, where did you glean? Where did you glean? So Ruth reported that she had gleaned in Boaz's field and that he had shown kindness to her. So she reports everything that took place. Well, I was in Boaz's field and he showed kindness to me. Here's what he did. He allowed the sheaves to fall for me. He, he, he allowed me to eat with, uh, with, with, with the workers. He, he gave me water. He told me to glean with the young women, with the young women. And to stay in his fields. To stay in his fields. So Naomi rejoiced in the kindness of Boaz and told Ruth it was good that she gleans in his fields. So let me explain what's going on here. All right, let's remember something here. We're not just talking about somebody who's poor in a desperate situation. Because that's the situation that Naomi and Ruth are in. But... Ruth is, can I use a term that we would say around here? An outsider. She's not Israeli. She's not an Israelite. She's from Moab. Now, let me just go on a little bit further. As in any situation, even today, even in our situation, prejudice exists. You would say, oh, well, you know, I don't think that they would, yeah. Trust me, people already have an attitude towards the poor, right? When it's the poor and they're from somewhere else, increase that attitude. And so Naomi is basically saying to her, it is good that you are reaping in Boaz's field. You stay there, you follow his young women. You're going to be okay as long as you're doing that. Because if you go somewhere else, maybe it's not going to be as good. Maybe it's not going to be as good for you because 
the fact is she's from she's a Moabitess. And notice the text keeps referring to that because that is significant. That is very significant because she's not from Israel. She's not from Israel. She is a Moabitess. And so we see that Naomi rejoiced in the kindness of Boaz and told her uh, to keep doing what she needs to do there for gleaning. Now that ends chapter 2. Okay? So with chapter 2, we see the hard work of Ruth in caring for Naomi. We see her hard work in the fields. We see the kindness of Boaz. And we end chapter 2. Now that brings us to chapter 3 and chapter 4, which we're going to look at next week. And next week, the story turns to the issue of redemption. Redemption. According to the law. According, everything's being done here in accordance to the law. So what we see so far is, like with whole, all of chapter 2, the issue of the gleaning in the fields, that was reflective of the law in caring for the poor. And we're going to see that go one step further now with the whole issue of redemption of Naomi and her husband, Ahimelech, and a child being born to carry on the family name so that the inheritance would be passed on. See, remember, the biggest thing to the Israelites during this time was the inheritance that they received when they entered into Canaan and passing that inheritance on. And there's no one to pass that inheritance on anymore since Ahimelech has died and the two sons have died. And so we're going to see the story of redemption next week.